You know, as I sit here without a professional mic because I'm at my parents' house for Christmas with my family, I am just so happy that I have this. And even though, you know, family isn't perfect, family is something that those of us who have it or those of us who remember it or those of us who have found it, we sometimes can forget exactly how wonderful it is until we're confronted with a lack of it. And I think today's movie, 1994's Little Women, is just exemplary because it exemplifies what is great about family. Whether that's, you know, the family you were born into or the family you have found or the family that you're missing who's far away. I think our genre that we're here to talk about is all about connection and love and vulnerability. Some of the things that are found most in families and are sometimes hardest to find within families. And we get all of that in this film. And I am just overjoyed to be able to share our thoughts with you out there on this Christmas day. So go grab a cup of whatever cheer it is that you so desire, and I'm going to get back to my family. Merry Christmas. I think you would like Breath of the Wild just because of its how they treat Zelda. Like, Nintendo was like, sorry we've been so sexist for like 37 years. Oh, yeah? Because they give... You don't play as Zelda, and that's something they need to fix, but you Zelda plays the most important role in the game, mm. and you're just helping. I like that. That's fine. Link, Link is just there to help finish the fight. Zelda is the one who's responsible for, like, actually getting shit done. Are you Nintendo? Uh, I'm Nintendo. Can I pitch something to you right yeah, now? Yeah, pitch it to me. I want to pitch a game called Link, <laughs> whose main character is Zelda. Oh, yes. Well, they made a Princess Peach game. Yeah. Um, no one played it. That didn't... I've I, So I've seen the trailer for it. Yeah. It looked... <laughs> there's something about it that looked like the way her body moved... Was like it doesn't feel Mario esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. That's mainly why I didn't like. Oh, Jedi Survivor, by the way. Oh, it looks so good. It does look good. But when the day comes for you to play Breath of the Wild, I want to. You know, I want to. The cutscenes are really good. They're really good, mm-hmm. and it's just it's flashbacks of Zelda like taking on the mantle of needing to defeat Ganon. It's it's really awesome. Do you ascribe to the theory that each new like? Zelda dies and is reincarnated. Well, this Zelda canonizes the idea that there has been like a bunch of links. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, it cool. it makes it fully canon. It's okay. like there have been generations of warriors who yeah, have this, developed. This who, is good content. I'm who, glad we're recording this. Who defended generations of Zeldas? Wow, it's really cool. I love that. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to a gentleman's guy, Toronto. <laughs> Your favorite video game podcast. Yeah, watch out, triple click, here we come. You know that you need more video game podcasts. In the age of Kotaku, Polygon, IGN, in comes a new player. What? I mean, we didn't even watch a movie for this episode. No, We're just no. riffing on video games we may You're just or talking may about a game played. you haven't even played yet. <laughs> uh, I'm Kelly Song. I'm Ryan Graves. And this is A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. My last video game remark of just, I want to show my age... I don't see myself getting a new Xbox. 
ever. Mainly because it's called Xbox Series XS. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm getting to the age now where it's like I haven't turned on my old Xbox in about four months. Yeah, it's it's funny because I said that to Robin where I and you the other day where I was like, you know what, I haven't played a video game for four months. And it's not like I played it a lot beforehand, but and I, it's not even lack for trying. It's just no. we have kids and we have Cre- trying, creative pursuits we're trying to get our basic needs met of yeah. like food and shelter and yeah. it's just like sorry video games i need to eat this month like if i had if i had either i'd need two of these things oh no i'd need three of these things money <laughs> sleep um a successful project or to be sick <laughs> and if if i had three of those four things i think i would feel better about playing video games um other millennials and elder millennials, do you relate to this? You see people in their 20s working the jobs that we worked in our 20s, which is like barista or you know service Bartender. industry or something like yeah. that. And they go and they play their games or they you know watch all of their peak TV this shows. This is why we're poor now. It's not even peak TV anymore, but they watch all their shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you, you have no idea how free you are. <laughs> I know, and right? the day is going to come where you're going to look around and be like, wait, I want, I need to get the other things. It's like... Welcome to the real world. <laughs> okay, Morpheus. I know, and it's just... Uh, Let's not become our parents yet. We no. Have, we have a movie, though, that we're talking about this week with a really great we set of do. parents, and don't I, we? Yeah, and you know, I, I, I want to just... My fellow millennials, I just want to say, we're not becoming our parents because we're not saying, what job makes us the most money? We are all suffering because it's like... We're what pers- job makes us some money? <laughs> we're pursuing our values and trying to make money at the same time, so it's going a little slower. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know what? We're going to live a little bit longer, so yep, maybe that's, that's okay. okay. <laughs> I notice people look a lot more beautiful these days. It's like, because not a lot of us smoke cigarettes. Like, yeah. if you watch, like, movies set in, like, made in the 50s and 60s, like, that man is... 27 he looks 53 you know and that that works as long as you're a 16 year old and you want to look 20 <laughs> yeah um but the only person that really pulled that off well was humphrey bogart I yeah feel like he like leaned into it and you're like no, no 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 for some reason all the smoke is going into your skin and setting you in stone somehow speaking of 16 year olds having to look 25 or 25 year olds, year olds having, having to look, look 16. 16 let's talk about these little women Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. How little are they? (laughs) Are they scary little? Uh, I'm telling a story, by the way. Oh, great. Go ahead. Uh, This is the 1994 version, in case you're all keeping track. Greta Gerwig can go stuff it. Just and, kidding. I love you, Greta. And and it's um and it's actually directed by the producer of Greta Gerwig's Little Women. She produced that one. Yep, that's fascinating. It is fascinating because like a lot of this feels very. Having watched both of them, a lot of it feels similar. Like the house is 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 different, but like just the the creation of it and the creation of the. The costumes in Greta Gerwig's feels much more alive. Mm-hmm. In this one, it feels a little bit gray. It feels a, a little bit more earthy and dour, which I feel like is more realistic in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's less beautiful. Greta Gerwig's version is far more beautiful, but it also there's part of it that feels like a fairy tale mm. compared to this one, which 
like the the design of the house and the way that they film it feels a little bit more like um realist a little bit more realist yeah but they were it's funny because a lot of where they're shooting is in like new england towns yeah that still look like they used to in new england but they're just throwing dirt on the streets (laughs) as as a production like the new york stuff yeah it's like they just covered that street with dirt yeah in order to accomplish that that's not even a back lot (laughs) well and like now that we're learning more and more of like how films are, how the how the bacon's really really gets made, it's like oh they just needed a couple blocks. It's not like they had to recreate the whole of nineteenth century New York. Yeah, they just got a couple blocks, dressed it up nice or dressed it up bad. Yeah, <laughs> depending on how you want to call it. It depends on whoever's filming to be like I can construct a world out of a single shot where it's panning across mm-hmm. a street. Isn't that pretty great? Yeah, with enough people in the right costumes and enough old things it's around. It's pretty convincing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This the, movie had me convinced most of the time. Yeah, so we meet these little women um, under the tutelage and motherhood of St. Susan Sarandon. Yeah, Susan Sarandon, who plays Marmy or um, Mrs. March. You can see the people lined up outside of Hope House in this bitter cold room. Your cheeks are so warm. Sarah thinks your wife looks like Susan Sarandon. Yeah, I can definitely see it Mm -hmm. for sure. And she's, they both have similar vibes where they're like, let's be chill about all this, my little women. And Robin's a pretty (laughs) chill person. Robin is pretty chill. Um, For the most part, Robin is chill. Yeah. I would say (laughs) Robin, if she, if she could live in this house, she would. Yeah. Yeah. She'd, She'd take on the chill role. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm trying to like, like. If you went off to fight in the Civil War, I could see Robin. Oh yeah, Robin would much rather the... stay at home than go fight in the Civil War yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, and then after after Marmy, we have Meg. Well, I I do my own sewing. Who's played by Trini Alvarado? She's the only one I didn't know. Yeah, she she's had she popped up in these random things where we were watching some what's the tv show that's fringe we were watching fringe and she shows up for a guest role it's like oh, okay oh, little women little women okay <laughs> so wait she, is, this, is this your first time seeing this no i've seen it a few times okay great then it goes meg march and then joe march played by winona Ryder. joe march um so who are you staring at and then beth played mm-hmm. by claire danes the house is beautiful and then Young Amy is Kirsten Dunst. Mm-hmm. Chester said my limes must have been donated to Hope House. And then old Amy is Samantha Mathis. Yeah. Mathis. And Mathis. the way the personality goes is Meg is like the true good one. Like mm-hmm. she's proper and good and true. Yep. Um, Joe is the rebel writer who... Like, tomboy. Tomboy. Tomboy who, to, the, to the core. Yeah. And who who doesn't really care as much about propriety and doesn't want a normal life. Right. Totally. Beth is basically the opposite of her. Beth's just happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Beth's Beth wants to be a part of things and she's probably the nicest. Mm-hmm. She's very sweet. She's she's, very sweet. she's probably the most, she feels things the most. She's probably the most emotional and the most, most empathetic. Yeah, the yeah. softest heart. Yeah, yeah, because she's always, she seems to be the one who's there for people, mm-hmm. not necessarily taking care of, but taking care of by being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Amy, who's a little brat. <laughs> she's not I a mean, she's a little, she's, she's she, a kid. She is a kid. She is a little bit of a brat, but she's also, she feels str- things very strongly. Yeah. And I, I feel like she's the most decisive. Yeah. Like she knows what she wants the most out of all of them. And older older Amy is the most 
um, uncharismatic, classically <laughs> feminine. Con- yeah, in contrast to Joe. Yeah, for sure. She's she's she is playing the role set out for her. Where she's like, I'm gonna go. But she's paint. happy to play that role. Yes, it's is what she she's wa- always. That's wanted. the role she wants. Yeah. And what we have here is a kaleidoscope of women, mm-hmm. and this is something that is like. When you look at the works of Jane Austen, you get a kaleidoscope of women, but you have Across, to read. Yeah. you have to read all the books to get that kaleidoscope. Um, mm, yes, you you do. But like, if you look at all the sisters in Pride and Prejudice, that is a kaleidoscope. I would say. Yeah, but you don't like all of them. <laughs> no, that's true. I think that yeah, this book and this movie allows you into the inner lives of all of these yeah, women mine in a good and, way. Mine and Sarah's headcanon for Little Women is that Louisa May Alcott read Pride and Prejudice and was like. Mm. I think we can do more here. <laughs> okay, that's great. And because I have a theory about End of Green Gables where um, La Montgomery was like, you know what? I love what you did there. I'm going to just steal one of your characters mm-hmm. and make them an orphan. And yeah. she took Joe March and she's like, what What would Joe's life be if she was an orphan? And never stopped talking. I haven't, yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten through it yet because yeah. I've been too stressed out to read books. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, man. Um, but I'm like, wait, I am there. <laughs> But I've been reading Anne of Green Gables, and I told Kelly, wow, she talks a lot. She does. Um, uh, you, you get used to the patter, but it's pulled off so swimmingly by uh, Megan Follows mm-hmm. in, in a way where it's like, oh, she could definitely play Joe March if she was a brunette. Mm, interesting. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's a kaleidoscope of women. And yeah. ca- contrasting that, we have an absent um, Mr. March who's away in the war. Have you read Little Women? Yes. Okay, good. Have you? Yes. Oh, okay. I was talking to my brother about it, and he's like, I was going to go read that book, but wow, they shouldn't call it Little Women. They should call it Really Long Women. It's a thick <laughs> it's book. It's a super long book. Yeah. So, But it's ye, good. Ye it's be a warned. Really, it's a really good book. It's super rewarding. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of the, it's a comfort book for me. Mm-hmm. I've, I think I've read it twice now, and both times in the winter. You gotta read it in the winter yeah. time. The Robin, unfortunately, I had to start watching this movie last night because mm-hmm. I'd put it off for so long, and Robin was out, and so she couldn't start watching it with me. And she came back in the middle of the movie, and I'm like, "You can't start watching it now. Uh... I'll just rewatch it with you." But today, like, I had to finish it, and so she watched the second half with me. And the second half of this movie is so much less comfortable than the first half. You need the first half informing the second. You need yeah, it. Yeah, you really do. Like the first half of this movie is a warm holiday hug, and the second half is growing life. up. It's yeah, life. it is. And so, yeah, let let's talk so about that, this movie. I mean, that's you know that's what you need. You need you need to know all these characters. And across the way is Laurie, yeah, um, right. played, played by, by Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. I'm Laurie, Theodore Lawrence, but I'm uh, I'm called Laurie. He's adorable. Yeah, it's it's so nice to see Christian Bale not playing a hardcore character. Yeah. He's a very just fun-loving kid. Yeah. He's a young man. Yeah. And then um, Laurie's tutor, played by Eric Stoltz, creepy as ever. <laughs> I mean, he's not supposed to be that creepy, but there's something... Eric Stoltz always gives me some kind of like the willies. There's just something off-putting about him. It, I mean, he has... Uh, I, it's Is it not in Star Trek? I, I think it's in something that he actually plays a serial killer. Oh. But I get it. I, in this movie, I think, I think once you get to know him, you're like, actually, you're a good guy. I think that's kind of the point. It's like when you first meet him, he feels a little 
much. Well, because they dress him up in those glasses. Like when we first meet him in this movie, he has those super round glasses that are kind of terrifyingly small. Yeah. Like he looks like. He looks like he should be in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Right. As an oil baron who secretly kills people. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's this is the context. They're in New England. Dad's off to help fight the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, the family is transcendentalists. Right, which are basically idealists in the platonic sense. Yeah, and we see this philosophy. Kantians, I guess. Yeah, we see this philosophy wielded by their mom mm-hmm. in trying to instill really good values on her daughters. And she's right. always teaching them be more patient with each other each other be more graceful with each other all that stuff and and like the the whole idea is you can find the divine in the everyday Mm -hmm. in both humanity and nature yeah and so there isn't a lot of religion necessarily in this family there's a lot of philosophy yeah 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 so it's hard to keep there's a lot of it this is a very episodic story which is why the book is so long yeah it would actually make a fantastic tv show it really would it'd make a good miniseries Mm. Uh, so well, it's going to be 10 years before we get something like that after the movie came out, probably. Yeah. You can all, I mean, this is perennial. You can always do this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, because the rights are yeah, there. They're, they're there. They're there. So I'm trying to remember what our very first thing is. Like, I guess the thing we can talk about is like their habits at home is Joe's a storyteller right. and she likes playing playing dress up games oh, with each other. And the family, like the way that they like dress up and do like they storytelling they it's have their own in. club yeah they they dress up their cats to be part of their their little thing they have they, their own code name they they're all men in yeah. this in this like publishers they play house the, that they, they have. play pickwick um which they've read all of dickens mm-hmm. and that's the dickens like what is it a law firm the pickwick papers um that's dickens first book right uh i've not read pickwick papers um I think it's something like that. Okay. It's something yeah. like clerks all hanging out together. Yeah. And they have a club. Uh-huh. And, and they all write different stuff. But Joe is the writer. Mm-hmm. I think Beth writes a recipe at one point in time. Yeah. Um, but they, they just, they are basically to be philosopher kings. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they just enjoy having this life together. And it's a little, things are a little tight because it's the war and dad's mm-hmm. not working. They used well, to have more money. Fighting. They have less now. Yeah. And they're just, they're just getting by. Um, and so we see things like, you know, it's Christmas and they're like, oh, so excited for like Christmas sausages. meal or having sausages. And then they actually have butter this day. Yeah. And then their mom's like, I got to go to the poor immigrants who can't work and have like eight kids and they're all sick. I'm going to go bring some food to them. And they're like, well, we can bring them some bread. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, let's bring a whole meal. Yeah. yeah. And these are good kids. Yeah. You know, I, I thought it was in this one, but it must be in the older one. Um the one in the fifties mm-hmm. where they, they like go over to the house and you see them actually feeding the kids. Oh, but it didn't happen in this one. I kept waiting for it. And I was like, Oh, I misremembered. I was also waiting for Amy's like storyline with their neighbor, Mr. Lawrence. And I was like, you Oh, they Beth's? just, was it Beth or Amy? I thought it was with the piano. It was Beth. It's Beth with yeah. the piano. Yeah. Because there, there is more of a deal made of that obviously in the book, but also in different versions of this. Yeah. Where, where where Joe is befriending Lori, uh, Beth is kind of taken under the wing a little bit of the old man because he reminds her of his dead daughter. Yeah. Who and Beth is always kind of sick, and so there's like a correlation there between the yeah, two of them. Yeah. Uh, so they befriend Lori, right? And Lori just becomes a staple in their house and just is a good childhood friend with all of them. I love the betrayal of Joe because, like, when 
like they they meet at a party and they like they hit it off as like best buds right away yeah right and then Lori saves meg from like a, a rolled ankle and then yeah. and he's like a little bit less he, he pushes back against society a little bit more and that's mm-hmm. that is that is what the marches are kind of all about yeah we're not going to be exactly like society but Meg is like, oh, I don't know. Society is kind of important. It's what we're supposed to do. And um, but Joe is all about like burning down the house. <laughs> so she does when she introduces Lori. They're like doing the secret th- like club thing, and she's like, "We should invite Lori." And they're like, "I don't know." And she's like, "He's here already." He's like, chaos. "Surprise!" She's such a chaos method, isn't she? Yeah, she loves it. Oh please, let's try him, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Fellow artists, may I present myself as an actor, a musician, and a loyal and very humble servant of the club. We'll be the judge of that. And so, yeah, he becomes part of their life, and they just go about living this New England life. Mm -hmm. It's really the first act of this movie is just what is it like here? Yeah. And so we see Joe has serious aspirations as a writer mm-hmm. and she really want, much wants to do that. And I, I, they don't get super deep into it, but it does kind of, you have this feeling of like, it could happen. Cause sure. like there's some female writers, like the Brontes came mm-hmm. before her. It's like, it's not out of question, but it is a little like, you're not, it's going to be hard to have a working life as a writer. Sure. I mean, especially in America at this time where there's not like an established publishing system that, yeah. that accepts women. Yeah. And it's not like she's in a situation where she can just live in a cottage and right. her parents are, you know, going to support her financially while she writes novels and right. stuff like that. I mean, that. and they do have help at this house, but it's, it's not like work doesn't need to be done by everybody as well. Yeah, they have stuff to do. <laughs> um, but the way she, like her arc as a writer is that like she's told that she can't write by like some editor and then she becomes um, like published under a male name. Right. And then she writes a bunch of stuff about like far off worlds. Yeah, she really likes the genre fiction. Yeah, and, and then she realizes at the end uh, through some words that she has with uh, Mr. Bear, the mm-hmm. professor, that she needs to write about like what she knows yeah. and what she's passionate about. That is the exact same arc of Anne of Green Gables. Ah. Like, except it's Gilbert Blythe who pushes back. Interesting. Um, but like she, she writes about these far-flung romances and it's really when she starts writing novels about Avonlea that she becomes like a lauded author. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Thanks for spoiling the book I was reading. Now I don't no, need to read it. No, no, no. That's, I mean, that's just a background element. Yeah. It. Yeah. The writer plot of Joe in this, the beginning parts of the story, she's got a book that she's seriously working on mm, and mm-hmm. they get invited to a party. Everyone but Amy March gets to go to this. Well, I'm Beth, but Beth doesn't, Beth really, doesn't care. really care. Yeah. <laughs> And Amy is super pissed, and Joe was being a little kind of bratty about it. A little bit, but, like, not that bad. Yeah. And so, in utter retaliation, which is so mean, (laughs) like, just the meanest thing in the universe, Amy burns her manuscript. I Did you have panic sweats when this happened? Imagine if, like, you didn't have anything backed up on your computer, and somebody just threw it in acid. Oh, and just... Oh, so ah, they they the, have the fight is real. No, no, no! I didn't do it. I'm gonna kill you! I'm gonna kill you! 
Yeah, and Susan Sarandon is like the best mom ever where she's like, let's not have you be in the same room right now. And and as a as a family movie, they do a really good job setting up all of these women as being supportive of each other and loving of each other and it's like this ideal family that feels realistic still mm-hmm. at the same time. And so when when this betrayal happens and the amount of vitriol and hate that comes from Winona Ryder, yeah at her little sister it's just like what happened (laughs) yeah and i just love seeing meg being like and beth is like oh no like (laughs) she doesn't know how to help because both sisters are like uh, utterly in ruins but i like what what happens is each like meg takes control of amy and is like gonna console her because like her older sister just was like i'm gonna kill you yeah and it kind of traumatized her and then on the other side beth and um susan sarandon are there for joe because she's just gone through trauma yeah and you know it's longer in the book before like the the patching up happens it's quite an ordeal yeah and and that makes sense but in the movie it's like two scenes later is the, the next is the next bit when is it before or after that amy gets punished at school no amy gets punished before okay yeah cuz what precedes this is uh and i love like this is where i'm like yeah this is what robin would do is that Amy goes to school and she was like, ooh, I'm going to get a lime from the the grocer or something yeah. like that. Limes are so cool. Yeah, they're like used as currency. They're like the cigarettes of the school. Yeah. Yeah. And she comes home and she got she got smacked, what was it, with a switch? Probably, they, pro- probably it could be a switch, but it could also be a, uh, like a yardstick because yeah. they would use those too. Yeah, and she got, she got corporal punishment from the, the teacher mm-hmm. and they all go home and they're like, but when Ona Ryder's like, I'm going to fuck his shit up. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to destroy him. And I like, <laughs> I like how, uh, in addition, Amy's like, and also he thinks girls can't learn. <gasps> and, and like the mom's just like, no, oh, I am writing a letter. <laughs> yeah, and it's like. And I like I like the combativeness between these women because Joe wants action and Joe wants blood. <laughs> yeah, and Mrs. March is like, I'm gonna do this properly and right and good, but like, what is it actually going to do? Yeah, and it just kind of shows like the plight of women in their situation. Like, what can we do to change this? Yeah, probably nothing. Well, she pulls Amy out of school and mm-hmm. puts Winona Ryder in charge of teaching Amy. Yeah, <laughs> and the the both of their faces are like ah. But <laughs> but that's my favorite kind of like justice of like I'm going to I'm going to make you regret this and you're going to feel bad that I'm taking my daughter out of your like classroom yeah. and you're going to feel that I I, I mean, hope he's going to feel that. He, that teacher needs maybe. to feel bad. I if he's if he's smacking like kids hands probably doesn't feel that bad. But still, I I wonder how it worked like if you got paid by the student, probably not, but <laughs> Paid by the student? Like how you get paid as a teacher? Like, well, yeah. I mean, it probably depends on like whether it's a public school system at that point or yeah. it's a, you know, private but school. Homeschooling, very apt, you know, if Winona Ryder's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, she's like loading her up with homework. And that's really what like does the betrayal because on top of not going to the party, she's like, you do your maths. Yeah. And I understand Amy's uh, procrastination. I don't want to do the maths. I don't want to do the maths either. Hate the maths. So, uh, we also get to know Eric Stoltz's character, Laurie's tutor, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Hello, Meg. You he's, seem of age." Yeah, he's <laughs> kind of a stick in the mud, but in the right way for Meg. Yeah, and Meg kind of likes it, and it's kind of ambiguous how old Meg is. It's like she's not quite in school; she's living at home. Is what? Is, and it's I like, feel like societally, it's like 
do you move out, get a roommate? Do you keep hanging out at home until you get married? What's the deal? Yeah, all these actors are older than their characters' ages, which is usually how it goes. But if I would guess Meg's age, it would be like 2021. Yeah, I think, and Eric Stoltz is only a little bit older. Yeah. I think he went to college, came home, started tutoring, right. and is going to get he's a bigger job. Right now. Yeah. He, he ends up joining the army, I know, in the book. Yeah. He's like a bigwig with the army, right? I think he's an, maybe he becomes an officer. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, because his job. Oh, they show that in the movie, too, because yeah. when they get married, he's wearing his uniform. Everyone's super disappointed. They're like, he's not going to make that much money. Yeah. Yeah. But they talk a lot about that. Like, the. The rom, if this if this movie has any rom com, yeah, it, it's a bunch of women talking about like, I want to marry somebody, but do I want to marry for love or money or do I want to marry at all? Why do we have to marry? There's yeah. a lot of like, like Jane Austen esque mm-hmm. politicking going on within this family. So when does Joe see her making out with Eric Stoltz? Because she's still is that far much later? later? Okay, yeah, because first they make they make up, like. Um, uh, Amy ends up falling into the ice. Oh, right. And Lori saves her. Mm-hmm. And they make up and everything's okay. Yeah. It's later after Beth gets, uh, like, Lori's away at school. Beth gets scarlet fever. Yes. And, okay, let's talk. Sp- we are now going into spoiler territory. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> um, we're, we're not anything if not one big spoiler machine. So she gets scarlet fever. I thought she died this time but it's later it's that later. she dies yeah I, but, uh, I get confused about that sometimes too but i was like i'm like oh she's gonna die she's gonna die but she doesn't die <laughs> no, she doesn't um she, she dies through. later <laughs> but i i like that um they they like send amy away because the other two had it when they were young mm-hmm. and i like this i like this movie because of the book they pull out it just has like these are all the possible things that you could get and die from before there's modern medicine. Yeah, God. And, and it's it's at this point in time that like the crotchety old grandpa from across the street comes over and takes care of Beth. And yeah, he, like lends his doctor, which is probably a death sentence back then because it's like, <laughs> well, I would bleed you, but you're pretty far along. It's like, oh, you actually what are just you saved good for? her life. <laughs> you saved her life by Thank not you. bleeding her, but. Eric Stoltz goes and gets mom, right? Ex- well, because uh, what precedes this is Mr. March gets wounded. Yeah. Eric Stoltz accompanies her down there. Yeah. And then, like, he comes, I think he comes back with her. I- I'm not exactly He's sure. He's helpful. What, but Lori, Lori calls her back. It's like all the men surrounding these women are being so helpful to these really wonderful women. Yeah. And this is where Eric Stoltz is super gentlemanly and suave yeah. we're like oh, okay i like you a lot but er- earlier in the in the play or in the movie <laughs> like when when eric stoltz is trying to be a little bit romantic to meg mm-hmm. winona Ryder jumps in there she's and, like well thanks for coming by we'll see you later <laughs> i like seeing sibling protectiveness in this way where it's not like you know don't date my sister otherwise i'll punch you right it's it's like we see that there's this perfect family unit and when it breaks apart, it's going to destroy something beautiful. Like there, there's yeah. an inevitability to the crumbling of this family. Well, Joe's got a great little life because she gets, she has all her sisters. They are really helpful for her, like dress up plays that she yeah. does with each other. Yeah. And she doesn't want things to change. Yeah. She just would like to keep the status quo. And like she has Peter Pan syndrome. She doesn't want anyone else growing up. Yeah. And I get that. Like there's a, 
I think everybody has a little bit of this. And I, it's just speaking of millennials, we have it bad. Oh, for sure. We're so addicted to the nineties. We just we just want to go back. We are we just want to be like back in our childhood days and just no worries. Well, it's because like all of us came of age to like 9-11 happened and everything seemed to change yeah like we could watch it year by year things changed so fast yeah whereas like i feel like things changed post it was like we went through the drama of vietnam and then for like the next <laughs> 30 yeah. years it was like okay we're gonna coast yeah and you know maybe that's not fair to you gen xers but that's what it felt like anyway what do you why are you why are you such nihilists you have such you have it so well <laughs> but like <sighs> i i have like the stockholm syndrome where growing up i did not like boy bands i thought they were stupid mm-hmm. um and now i'm like thirsting for like that 90s culture and so i like i'll turn on backstreet boys i'm like everybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's turn of the i don't want to be old anymore that's turn of the the like because that's yeah you know that's 99 mo- that's 99 yeah that's millennium right you know the millennium well, that was another, and he had album. to ruin everything. Wait, but too. that was ninety nine as well. Yeah. So when is the when is the millennium? It's Y two K, man. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I don't know why we got on this. So pageant. Peter Pan syndrome, but, but like Joe, Joe doesn't want things to move on. Beth, Joe would be a great nineties kid. Right? Yeah, yeah. Meg wants to move on, but like down the street, move on. Yeah. And uh, Amy wants to move on everywhere she yeah. wants to go everywhere yeah and but joe i feel like joe has a competing thing where she doesn't want to move on necessarily but she wants to expand herself like if she gets exactly what she wants at the end of this movie by setting up a school and writing in her small town because she's able to become bigger mm-hmm. but not leave everyone behind but joe more than anyone in this story does not want the traditional path Right. She doesn't want to get married. She doesn't want to become a wife. She doesn't want to become a household object. She wants to go and be a destroyer of worlds, basically. Uh-huh. And and there is like before that can happen, these like there's a four year gap in this movie where like um what's his name? Eric Stoltz proposes to Meg and then four years later they get married. Yeah, it's a long engagement. Yeah, it's it's because like the mom's like he needs to have a house. Where does she see them making out? I guess it's when it's, after it's, Beth gets sick. It's, yeah, Beth gets better and she gets her piano from the old man. And then yeah. like it's during that time. Yeah, they they have that's so nice. The Christmas yeah. times it together is. and dad oh. comes home and I wanted all the male clothes in this movie. Yeah. Like the cloaks especially, like the jackets. Oh. But like when Owner Ryder catches Meg and Stoltz making out, yeah. they're like making out. I'm yeah. like, whoa, is this what they did in the 19th century? I, I think, don't know. I think once there's a proposal, it's like every everything's game. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a First good base, kiss. <laughs> All the on bases. your way to second, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Did we want anything before the time jump? Does that cover pretty much everything? That covers pretty much everything, I feel like. It, it gets really scary when Beth gets sick. Oh, it gets yeah. terrifying. You know... I, I actually, so all the sisters have such charisma. Yeah. Like the actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm Amanda or Samantha Mathis. I'm like, you're fine. You, you're fine. But like the initial core group of actors, they mm-hmm. cast super well. Yeah. And when Claire Danes has a fever, she doesn't really play it very big. Right. Until later on, when she gets like the like sick later in the movie, she yeah. really like leans into the sickness. And so, 
when Claire Danes is initially sick with Scarlet Fever, I was like, you don't look so sick. You don't look like like feverish in the way where you're like hallucinating or right, or right. anything like that. And so I, I think that's what gave me the confidence. I'm like, you're not dying from this one. <laughs> yeah, I but I couldn't remember if it was this time or next time. So. Yeah. Uh, so then we have a time jump and Kirsten Dunst suddenly is Samantha Mathis. Yeah. <laughs> you wicked. <laughs> and I, I just want to say great job, Kirsten Dunst. Like from yes. a young age, you were such a great, great actress. Oh, she's perfect. Like this uh, interview with a vampire, mm-hmm. just great yeah and then jumanji jumanji indeed mm-hmm. christian bale is laurie is like hey joe i we just saw somebody get married i'm here for it let's let's do, let's it. do it let's get married and winona Ryder's like Fuck. <laughs> it's she she very gracefully lets him down but yeah. he very gracefully doesn't want anything to do with being let down yeah and it's like he's friend zoned kind of and she basically is like we're better as friends but she also just doesn't want to be married i know a lot of especially women who have a lot of opinions about whether her and Lori should have been together no because well okay um yeah that's my opinion they should um, i i um <sighs> it's hard because it really depends on me who's playing Lori, whether they should be yeah and with the timothy chalamet one Mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, you guys shouldn't be together. Like, it makes sense that you shouldn't be together. But with these two... They do have great chemistry. They have... They're really good friends. Like, they're, there's just... It's I, I what s- she doesn't have with Mr. Bear. Or it's what she has with Bear, that she couldn't have that with Lori. Mm, I, I think she doesn't allow herself, because... This is this is my read of it, anyway. Mm-hmm. I think the romantic chemistry would be there if she allowed herself to imagine that her world that she loves could be different mm-hmm. but she's so preoccupied with that world staying perfect mm-hmm. that she cannot change that she can't be the one that breaks that right and so the love that they could have is forcefully put away because and i like the way that winona Ryder plays it when she's like no 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 and then he kisses her and for like five seconds you see her say yes have to talk about this reasonably yeah yeah you know and then she pushes away because because and she plays it off as they'd fight all the time and argue and i maybe that'd be true but i i I think the book and the movie does a really great job of both answering and not answering the question about whether they would be good together yeah i my view is the one i'm stealing from my wife who originated this view is oh, she's the first person to have whatever view you're yeah. going to talk about. Yeah. But this is these these words, these thoughts are not my own. This okay. is what Sarah thinks. And this is what I'm like. No, you're absolutely right. Is that Lori wants to be a, a man who takes care of his woman. And that's where the later attraction is for Amy, mm-hmm. is that Amy wants to be a wife mm-hmm. and enjoy being a wife to a to a husband. Whereas right. Joe wants to live her life and have someone alongside. She doesn't even necessarily want someone alongside her. She's just surprised to find someone alongside her in this life of hers. That is completely true. Um, And what Joe needs is to be challenged by someone. And I think what Lori wants is to take care of someone. And I don't think Lori would give her the intellectual challenge the way she 
truly needs it. Oh, well, that's where I differ because I'm 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 completely here on why Mr. Bear is good for her, mm-hmm. which is he challenges her and also she would need to take care of him, which I think she likes. Yeah. But I really do think that while Christian Bale is set up to take care of her, mm-hmm. I think Lori is very challenging for her. Would Lori be... Intellectually as well. Would he rise to the challenge of going up to her and being like, you need to write about your experiences, not about these silly fantasy stories? I think doubly so. And and that's that's really what Anne of Green Gables is about. Okay, this ain't Anne of Green Gables. No, no. We're talking about Lori. I know, but it begs that question. Could the person that challenges mm-hmm. you be the person you're also in love with uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and that you grew up with? Yeah. And I I think it doesn't matter. Like hi, the hypothetical is just like whatever fiction that you want to write in your head. Yeah. I think he would. And that's the big question. Would would he be good for her? And I think, I think it would be a different relationship, but I still think it would have been good. But I'm also here for the choice that the author made. Yeah. And you I know? think Amy is ultimately the woman Laurie needs to end up with. Right. Like, I think it goes back to Jane Austen, if we're connecting all of these. Yeah. Where would Willoughby be good for, uh, not Eleanor. Marianne. Marianne. <laughs> See, I think I think they would be There's good. There's a world where it would have worked out. There's a world where it would have worked out, but he would have had to have been a different person before meeting her. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because they... There's you can't deny the chemistry, the romance, the love that they mm-hmm. do have. He's just a bastard. He is a bastard. Where like Joe and Lori, like it would just take Winona Ryder or Joe <laughs> being <laughs> being a little Obi Wan Kenobi about this and seeing things from a different point of view, a certain point of view. And I think she'd be right on board. But like if they're both not there for this thing yeah it's not gonna happen yeah and so she goes away to new york her mom gives her a big pep talk she's like you gotta go live your life and be a f-. like i like the phrase that she uses where it's like you have to like embrace the liberty you've been given and that only a transcendentalist mother would send her off to new york right and and, and a transcendentalist mother whose husband is fighting for the union yeah. at this time and she says this line like like, yeah, you might be a woman in this time, but you still have freedom. Go use it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Go so enjoy your life. She wears a bonnet. I hate the bonnets of this time period. They're my <laughs> least favorite thing. Like You, you try try to lean in for a kiss and it always gets in your face. Dude, and... like, if there's anything like an anti-kink, I think <laughs> that's my anti-kink. It yeah. would be, like, if I saw somebody in this bonnet, I'd be like, that's an immediate turnoff. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. There are good bonnets, I'm sure. Okay. Not this. <laughs> so, like, homestead romances don't do anything for you? I think the removal of the bonnet might. Ooh, like, that's sexy. It's like, oh, the bonnet's coming off. It's like, thank God. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love... Shake out your hair. Oh, yeah, free oh, it. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh we, we don't talk about when when they're trying to send Marmy down to see the dad, Joe cuts her hair and it's this great scene. What does she say? Your greatest beauty. No, your only beauty. Your only beauty. (laughs) But it shows us... say the darndest thing. It shows us that Joe is like a character of action Mm -hmm. who still has an ego because she's crying about it later, not crying about dad. Mm -hmm. And that this is what makes a good character. Yeah. She's not perfect. 
and we don't want her to be. Yeah. We want her to care about things like her hair and but do the noble thing of getting rid of it. And there is a real complex, beautiful character there that I think they captured in this movie. And I, I just loved watching this alongside Sarah because she knows the movie so well and she knows like we see Joe crying later and it's like, oh, are you sad about dad? She's like, no, I'm crying about my hair. Mm-hmm. And like Sarah knew that part was coming and it's like she relates to that particular emotion that I specifically wouldn't relate to because I never have been in that thought of cutting my hair because I don't have hair but there's something so relatable for Joe to Sarah that I love being like yeah but haven't you haven't you ever done something where like that's not the thing you relate to is the hair in particular no but there's something there's something so close to it that Sarah felt sure that I'm more external to and that's why I like reading these stories because it's like I get to learn about these little women. It's not something like, oh, this reminds me of my experience growing up. It doesn't at all. Mm. It, I, like, I barely relate to Lori. Sure. But I, I'm having so much fun just learning about these little women in general. See, I, I lived vicariously through these little women living in a big family with a bunch of... Like, my sibling and I, we're so different. Mm-hmm. And, like, our... We didn't generally as we were growing up, both of our parents had to work. Right. right. And so, I mean, they were, they were home on, on occasion as well, but like, so I see these women and I'm just like, I want that. I mm-hmm. want to be one of the sisters. And so yeah. I would always put myself in their place and yeah. just like kind of live vicariously. The way I that. saw it is I want to be family with them. Like I want them to so you be, want to be Lori. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be Lori, but I couldn't relate to Lori because Lori's a lot like you. And it's like, mm. I, I, I'm not a Lori. Sure. I'm, I'm more Lori's friend <laughs> who's not appearing in this movie. Fred, maybe? Is, that... Fred, is Fred the guy that it almost gets engaged to Amy? Oh, right. That good. That because he brings a couple up. guys from Harvard yeah, and he's like, true. hey, you want to you see this girl get I'm, a piano? I'm that guy. But like, they're the kind of girls where, where you have a couple of crushes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, I kind of got a thing for Meg and Joe. Sure. I feel a little confused. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the great thing about the March family is that they're all great in their own way. Yeah. And you just... A, a you night, could fall in love with any of them. A Night of the March family sounds fun. It sounds like it a does. Good, good time. And, and Lori gets it. Yeah. Lori, like, he he's raised in this family where I don't think his parents are in the picture anymore. I think they might both be dead. I yeah, can't I think remember. It's, I think it's just him and his grandpa. Just him and his grandpa. He's lonely. He has to live in this society that is proper. And the marches destroy that image. Yeah. And like kind of turn him into a transcendentalist before he becomes all like sad. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of which, after Joe. That does, kicks the bucket. Yeah. No, not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Joe Joe moves to New York yeah. and she meets Mr. Bear and a bunch of these guys and she's in the guys club and she's getting rejected, but she's making her point known as mm-hmm. a woman and they're like, wow, you're a smart lady mm-hmm. and stuff. And, you know, the whole time Mr. Bear, who's played by... Gabriel Byrne. You're far from home, Miss Much. Gabriel Byrne, who most makes me think of Coen Brothers and, or yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. what's the usual suspects? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always a very serious character. Mm-hmm. And so to see him playing a guy with a like German accent mm-hmm. who's a softie, yeah. that's fun, I yeah. guess. But he's very much the intellectual and he and Joe hit it way off. Right. And right. he's got the confident eyes looking at her. And it's Joe's like, oh my God, feelings. <laughs> I mean, he's also much older than her because mm-hmm. she's like 20 two at this point in time or so and yeah. he's like 
40 something. Yeah. 19th century 40 something. I mean, he might, he might just be a smoker and he's 35. Could be. <laughs> Could be. Um, but he's, he, he's just on the side of being okay for her. And I think she needs, yeah. she's looking for somebody more mature than her that can show her the world. Well, she's not even looking. Like I, th- I don't think she ever wanted to like be dating someone. No, no. What I, I guess what I what I mean to say is, the person that she would say yes to would be that person. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And he like reads everything she writes, and he like comes to appreciate her, but he also pushes on her. He's like, "Why are you writing these silly stories? You should be writing something more substantial." And she at first gets really hurt by it, right? But she eventually kind of comes around because he's not trying to be rude. He's just like, no, I just see you as an artist and I want to encourage that inside of you. Right. But like that first time that he does it where he like reads something that she wrote that she's proud of. And he's like, mm, vampires. Uh, that's nice, I guess. Yeah. It's like the worst way to talk to an he artist. He likes Mitchum Huntsberger's her. Yeah. He's like, ah, I, nice painting. So I see you use that color yellow. Mm. Interesting. And it's like, what? Uh, don't do that. And I think he... There's a little bit about Mr. Bear that is a little full of himself. Uh, He's just because Sarah likes him doesn't mean we can't critique him. I don't I don't see that, but you, so, you're allowed to see that. So he is a philosopher, right? Yeah. And he's like an iterant philosopher where he's just like moving around, learning stuff, being a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, and rather than accept somebody for where they're at, initially he's critical when it's not high minded what she's writing. Right. And to me, that means that he is, yes, a little bit pretentious and full of himself. Not in a bad way. Not something that yeah. that covers his character. He's, he's pretentious. I don't think he's full of himself, but he is definitely pretentious. pretentious and he I enjoys guess. the high-minded life. Yeah. And what he was like is like, you know what? You you could do a little bit more of the high-minded stuff. And there's a little bit of me that pushes back against that. And it's like, yes, get there with her eventually, maybe. <laughs> but not right away. Well, and the book takes, yeah, takes way more time yeah. to, to get into it. But like he takes her to the opera and he translates the opera for her. Yeah. And they have a great romantic moment together. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool place, too, because that's like where I'd want to take a date to watch a play. Yeah. Like the behind the scenes yeah. where all the ropes are and stuff. And so they have this almost kiss, but it gets ruined by the guy who's making thunder. Then it goes back into the kiss. But what's great is she's like looking at him and she's like, we don't need to let that moment be ruined. Right. We can keep going. And in most other rom-coms, it would be. It's like, oh man, we can't kiss now. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it just, just kiss. Yeah. Just go back in for it. And, and, and they, they do. do. And it's a really satisfying moment. It's great. Um, but then Beth gets sick. Yeah, so she goes home. And Beth, this whole time, has been kind of living at home because when you get this kind of fever in your youth, you get a little brain damaged. So she's she hasn't been able to like live a fully independent life. Yeah. And, you know, they don't really go into that a bunch in it this movie. It gives us context clues, and that's enough. Yeah, she just... She's a little bit more vacant, mm-hmm. not in a big way, but just in enough where it's like, it's it'd probably be hard for you to be out in society. Right. And so she goes home. Meanwhile, in France. Oh, Amy. We forgot Lori. Amy and Lori meet up in France. <laughs> Wait, Amy meets uh, Mark Twain <laughs> Lori because he has like a silly goatee that as, is so goofy. As if we in our youth, in our early 20s, didn't experiment with the facial hair. I know, but that's the one that she meets. I know. The, the disappointing one who's um, been partying and it's like, 
Why did you put fake hair on yourself, Christian Bale? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's bad. Yeah. And so we see Amy's lifestyle and she just enjoys the delicate life of being a woman in this time. Yeah. She's she's like with Emily Gilmore right now in Europe. Totally. Being taken care of. And she's being courted by this guy from America. Yeah. But she loves the pretty dresses yeah. and she loves the pretty china with paints, the design on yeah. it, all that stuff. And Lori's like... Yo, sup? Yeah, Lori's been out all night with a couple of babes. And he's like, hey, number two. <laughs> yeah. And see, he takes her on a picnic. and it, But I, I respect Amy. Um, in, in all iterations, she does this to varying degrees of grace where she's just like, hey, you were just supping my sister six months ago. Yeah, and now what are you doing? You're like, you're getting like whatever March sister you can get. And But I like Lori in this because he's like, Look, I I love the March family, and she's like, I don't want to be loved for just being part of the March family, and he's like, it's 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 that and mm-hmm. it's like because they had this romantic moment earlier when she's before she transformed from Chris, Kristen Dunst, mm-hmm. uh, where she's being sent away and she thinks she might have scarlet fever and might die, yeah. and he promises she's like sad that she might die without getting her first kiss, mm-hmm. and in a way that is not creepy. He manages to be like, don't worry. Like, I won't let you die without getting your first kiss. Yeah. And that's one of those weird childhood crush feelings, Mm -hmm. which again, I never quite felt where Amy was at in that moment, but I can watch from the outside in. I'm like, wow, what a warm moment for her to have in her life for the rest of her life. Yeah. That she has this great moment with this cute older guy. Yeah. I mean, I I totally related to that where like, that's what you wanted was like- to feel protected and loved by someone you had a crush on, who's but, but a in a way older, that, but you know? in a way that still somehow became innocent. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's the purest form of being on that side of the line. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Where, like, Laurie at that point in time, he's not like, yeah, I'd like to kiss you. No, too. he's just being he's a just nice like, boy. He's like, yeah, I get it. Like mm-hmm. you, you want to be kissed before you die, and mm-hmm. you might die in the next week. So I'm gonna say. <laughs> Trust me. It is the 1860s. Yeah, it'll be fine. (laughs) And um, so he starts courting her and saying, like, don't get married to that dude. Uh, I'll go make myself respectable rather than being a bon vivant here in France. Yeah. Well, and that's what he does. He he like says, like, I'm going to be put i'm gonna be the man in charge soon i'm gonna yeah. be the big boss let me let me take care of things let and me so give he does you, let me give you a life mm-hmm. and that's where i think sarah is absolutely correct is that he wants to go out and be the care do the caretaker role yeah i i think that's i think that's true but i don't think he would have minded joe being joe i think he would have resented it in the end i mm. think he, i don't i think he would have had to put up with it a little this is where I see Lori. Lori wants to take care of the March family, mm-hmm. right? And one of the ways he can do that is by being the husband to the woman he loves, right? Mm-hmm. Which is Joe at the beginning. Yeah. And in doing so, he would make sure that she's provided for. However, as he says, you wouldn't have to write unless you wanted to, mm-hmm. which is like, kind of every writer's dream in a way even if we're all like no i want the fear i i want i want to need to write Mm -hmm. like we all also want a patron yeah yeah (laughs) um and so i think there's a purity to that that is is not what joe wanted but is still based in goodness yeah 
Yeah. Because I think the marches took care of Lori. It's not that Lori is a bad match for Joe. It's that Mr. Bear is a better one. Yeah. I, I'm not going to dispute that. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, tete-a-tete wise, though, I think that Christian Bale might have pushed her more intellectually. Whereas I'm I, I think gonna, Mr. I'm disagree with I think that. Mr. Bear does it. But in a different way. He does it in a softer way. Well, there's an, the other interesting dynamic is Bear's age and experience that he bears on Joe. And right. I think there's something very attractive in the older man, you know, cliche in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but it's just like he's lived a life already and gets to bring that into the relationship. He's made love with many a student. <laughs> Isn't it weird that they live in this sporting house together? And yeah. they, they start making out and stuff at the they they kiss at this theater and then they live together for a while yeah but in separate places and it's like i wonder i wonder if anything untoward's going on there it seems not yeah but it seems proprietary. they're they're romantics mm. they're living that transcendental yeah, life yeah. i don't know she's like let's transcend some shit <laughs> so beth passes away it's, and and that scene is hard it's it's super traumatic but it's not as it's not as sad as I thought it would be because there's something uplifting about Beth's passing. Well, yeah, it's it's all it's all in Beth convincing Joe that she's okay moving on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm the one going ahead. I am not afraid. I can be brave like you. But I know I shall be homesick for you, even in heaven. <laughs> it's said so beautifully, courageously, and tragically, mm-hmm. where she's like, "I." The thing is, you all left, and I missed you, and that's what I miss. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm just gonna miss you guys terribly. Yeah. And this, I don't know. Like, th- that's the thing about this big book is you're able to fit moments in like that after so much has been experienced between these two characters. Yeah. And that's really what makes a, a TV show good yeah. is, and why this would make a good TV show too. Cause when you lose that character that you've come to know and love through these other characters, oof, it hits hard. Yeah. And you're right. It, it doesn't hit as hard as it could just, I think because Beth gives us that reassurance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so they all, Marmy moves out. Like they all, they all move out of the house. I can't remember why. No. The house empties out. No. Why do I remember a scene with an empty house? That's when the ant dies. That house. The ant, played by Mary Wicks. Who was in White Christmas. Yeah, which we reviewed on two Christmases ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their ant dies, too. And they're, what? Is they're that left what with happens? the house. Yeah. So they're, oh. like, um, their aunt dies and... Christian Bale comes home having married Beth. He's like, me, my wife. <laughs> my wife. He comes. And it's funny. They play it very differently in the two versions of this movie. I'd say if any scene's been changed a lot, mm-hmm. it's this scene between the Greta Gerwig one and this one. Mm-hmm. Because Joe is pretty accepting of this, yeah. which makes sense for the character set forth in this movie where she's like, yeah, I, I don't feel very complicated about that. Right. Um, and I, I like that, like, just in this one, you know, Amy's like, hey, is it cool? We cool? We cool? And then Joe's like, yeah. And Lori comes over and he's like, I'm glad we're cool. Yeah. And everybody's just cool. And it, the, the new household becomes idyllic again because Meg has two kids and we see, like, mm-hmm. this this Concordian lifestyle progressing. Yeah. And then 
Mr. Bear shows up. Well, they they get the house, and Joe Joe's mom is Marmy's like, you should turn this into a school. And earlier in the movie, which is so essential to this story, we understand that like there was a big to do made of Mr. March's like being in charge of the school because he let in like young black women, right, or a young black girl, and that was like a huge deal for like everybody who was against that, right, and like. Joe opening up this school is a big deal and it's handled in a little bit different of a way in Greta Gerwig's where it's just like, and now the school is populated by children of all races. <laughs> and it, I can't remember, but it doesn't seem like it's set up as well Yeah, with the March family as it is in this one where like she's carrying on a tradition of the family is what it feels like when she opens the school. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I got in, it wasn't a debate, but I posted a po- picture of the li- Little Women cast. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. Like, they got Saoirse Ronan. They got um, Emma Watson. Yeah. They got uh, Florence Pugh. Pugh. And who's the other girl? I can't remember the other girl. Um, and I'm like, this looks like a great cast. And someone commented, like, oh, it's, it's a pretty white cast. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Well, they're all in the same family. <laughs> they're sisters. Yeah. Their parents are white. It's the Civil War. Their dad is fighting for the North. There's the the storyline of like them being transcendentalists and trying to like embrace a more diverse world. And if you went with colorblind casting in this context, kind of breaks. It would be historically the, weird. It would kind of break the stuff going on of what the March family is fighting for. Yeah. And so it kind of like would undercut everything you're trying to say. And so it's or just, it, it would just muddy it. It would muddle. Yeah. It would muddle your message. It's like, I'm not saying you can't do colorblind casting, but it would, it would, the con- context matters. Con- I think especially in something that's set historically in the real world yeah. and not in a Bridger- Bridgerton kind right. of time and yeah. place. Um, yeah, but I, I do like that it's here in this one where yeah. the March family is this progressive New New England family that yeah. is trying to do good things. Like they're they're talking about like all the the slave kids that are the ones that make silk, and that's why right. the March family doesn't wear silk. Right, and like you know they're living a like an a, a poor person's a poorer person's for the area that they're in idealized version of being idealistically progressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is good. It's, it's cool to see on film. So yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, but she, Joe gets together with Mr. Bear. They have a hot kiss. And yeah, I thought it was, I, I remember seeing I it as a kid. I think I, I remember seeing it as a kid. I really like the long shot of him being really far down the path and her running mm-hmm. to him. It's great. But the them talking to each other at the end, I remember it being so wonderfully just romantic as a kid. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this time I was like, man, this is pretty cheesy. <laughs> yeah. I like cheese. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like cheese too. Goose it's just cheese. You know, I didn't have somebody Googling at Mr. Bear right next to me. You know, I, I was just like, Robin, Robin was like, yeah, I guess this is all right. <laughs> as far as a romance. Well, because at the end, it's it's really nice that they get back together. But like, he's like, my hands are empty. And she's like, you know, not anymore. Mm-hmm. My hands in it. And it's just like, I see the instinct filmmaker. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sarah's next to me, like clutching my hand. She's like, it's us. <laughs> Right, but if it's if it's not you, then yeah, I mean it worked for her. That's great. 
I'm 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 glad. And I, the story works for me, and the moment works yeah. for me. Um, it was just I think it was also that it was raining, but it wasn't actually raining on the day, and so I was a little like. I, I was a little um, distracted by the fact that it was like a sunny day, but they were spraying water over these two and yeah. their umbrella. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> it, it, I just felt the filmmaking. A yeah. Bit. What, can, what can you do? But it was nice. Yeah. Um, they get together like always mm-hmm. at the end of every single one of these <laughs> Every movies. time they do Little Women, Mr. Yeah. Bear always is there. So uh, what do you think movie wise? Um, five out of five. Really? It's you think of... this movie deserves a five out of five? This is oh, yeah. as good as Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Yeah. I mean, in its way, it's uh, let's look at the Oscar nominations. Um, best actress, but no best picture nomination. I mean, I would have given a best picture nod, not winner of that year, but give it a nod. Yeah, I you know what? I love this movie. I love this story. And I, I think this film feels a specific way that I love films to feel. Mm-hmm. And I like the the acting and the characters a lot. Um for me, it's a 4.5, so it's a great movie for me. Mm-hmm. This movie is so close to my heart that it's hard for me not to be a little jealous that somebody made it. Yeah. That wasn't me. Yeah. You know? And so there are little bits and pieces that I'd be like, ooh, I'd do something different. Which I think is is like Greta Gerwig probably how she felt and yeah. how she ended up making her movie. And we'll get to her version at some point, yeah. which I understand takes takes its liberties, which I don't know if you necessarily, the jury's out, we'll watch it. I don't know if you necessarily need to like remix it. Uh, it, it takes its liberties, but in, in other ways, it it is more true. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's this weird rubber band that you have to balance. Like, I like this part more than I do the 94 version, but this part I like a lot less than I do in the 94 version. Yeah. You know, you'll be hard pressed to redo Pride and Prejudice, the Keira Knightley. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, what I like now in our culture is like, how do you like your Pride and Prejudice? Do you like it really long mm-hmm. or do you like it short and sweet? Okay. And I've got a mini series yeah. or I've got a, a movie. Keira Knightley. Yeah. I really, Whichever you like. I really don't think that there need, like, as much as I love Pride and Prejudice, I don't think there needs to be another one. No. I think we have our, our two great Pride and Prejudices. We don't have our definitive persuasions yet. No. Because no. the 90s persuasion is good, but it looks like a TV movie. Right. And that's... We can do better. The new one looks great, but feels like a TV movie. <laughs> and not in a good way at no. all. So that that was persuade Or... <laughs> that was... That was Little Women. I'm so glad we got to it. This is the perfect time of year. And yeah, it's, it's a great Christmas movie. It's Christmas today. Mm-hmm. Can we say Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So uh, let's go get some Thanksgiving ham and we'll come back with Wait, Trump Talk. Wait, hold on. What? Did we just time travel? Yeah. What do you mean? You said Thanksgiving ham. Ooh. Get your Christmas ham. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, put away the Thanksgiving ham. It's too late for it's, that. Throw it away. But, throw it out. But get your Christmas ham, and we're back with Trope Talk. Trope Talk. And welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like Joe March Talk, because it really just wants to come back and live in this place again and again and over <laughs> and over, and it just wants consistency. Please. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> What's our trope today? Our trope is the beautiful family. It's a beautiful family. The beautiful family. Mm-hmm. What does it do for us in our genre, Ryan? Um, gives us love. 
it, I mean, I mean, it just gives me a warm feeling in my belly. It does. Like the family in this movie is is what you want to be a part of as a human. Mm-hmm. It, it drives it drives this connection where if you're going to look outside this family for connection, that person better be worth it. Yeah. Right. And I don't I didn't really have this with my siblings. But I did enjoy the warm glow of having my extended family around. Yeah, you have such a big family. Mm-hmm. I was always jealous of that. And yeah. I I had that for a bit, but like our family moved away and like most of my family's in like Washington, Tennessee, California, Colorado. It's like if we all get together, it has to be an ordeal. Yeah. And it costs too much money, so nobody does it. Yeah. Watching these movies, Family Stone, while you were sleeping. And even you were talking about Notting Hill, just having like a found family of friends, mm-hmm. right? Like Julia Roberts doesn't have that. And so right. when she finds herself in this family, she's just like overjoyed to be treated as a normal human being. Yeah. Which is what family does, because even though we are we are like jealous of this beauty, we are also like given the, in a good movie, the true dynamics, which is even though we love each other, we also... We, we have heads. conflict, yeah. and so it's very. It never gets saccharine because it's like mm, it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's it's good, right. but it's hard. But like like in in Family Stone, if we're running around chasing each other, we still love each other. The rest of the movie, mm-hmm. but we're just fighting about this one thing right now. Man, I'm the Everett. When I when I Everett, Everett, come on. I think I think what it really does for us is it says this human has other humans in their life, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yes. for the outside person, it is a it is a threshold that they must breach mm-hmm. in order to really, truly have whatever family member they are trying to love. Mm-hmm. Like they have to become a part of that family in some way. Yeah. And for everybody else, it's we have to accept this person somehow. Yeah. And so it creates immediate conflict. Yeah. And sometimes you have to reiterate that you love the gays. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if anybody doesn't know Ryan's reference, go watch our, or go listen to our Family Stone episode. But as, most it. especially go watch Family Stone. Yeah. Go watch it this this Christmas season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's our trope. It's a wonderful trope. I love seeing it. I love living it. Yeah. I, it, it just makes the whole thing warm. Are you... Are you sad that you and Sarah aren't planning for a big family? Like, like let's say, because I, I know you guys are like an ideal two, two baby household. Yeah. But like, let's say you had a bunch of money. Yeah. And your career was on track. Yeah. Would you want more kids? Well, after we watched this movie, we went and made <laughs> <laughs> five of them. <laughs> Uh, well, no. We had quintuplets. It's one of the conversations I had with her after watching that movie is like, you know, we could have four kids. And she's like, no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is something. I, I like that this movie acknowledges that when Meg is like, I can't believe you did this four times. Yeah. But I precisely put it to Sarah. I'm like, let's say we have a lot of money and mm-hmm. you don't have to work at all. Yeah. And we can just, you know, enjoy uh, like a big household with a big family. With family nearby to help. Um, and she's like, no fucking way. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because for Sarah, it's like, I don't want, like, we don't see them as little kids together. No. And it's very idyllic now that they can take care of themselves. Right. 
But I'm sure the house was much more chaotic with right. them all as toddlers together. This this movie is very idyllic. Um, so it's like, oh, wouldn't having a big, nice family be so great? I know. And Robin and I are like in the throes of Elowin being in a very weird, yeah, infuriating kind of mood. Yeah. And like Theo just had a meltdown just like a couple seconds ago. Yeah. And Add three to that mix. Are you sure? I, and there is something to be said about like other kids helping take care of things. Yeah, which you know? Sarah was like, I don't want them to be responsible for that. I'm like, I didn't say responsible. I just said helpful. It's like, well, no, doesn't matter. Like, I want him to enjoy life. It's like, okay, yeah, we're not I, gonna like make him like, <laughs> and, <laughs> go get do beer runs for us or anything. And that's that's like the other thing. Like, I I we're we're probably only gonna have one kid. That's where we're at, mm-hmm. and. There is like a sadness to that, but also a greatness because you can devote all of your energy to mm-hmm. one kid. But Elowin, like there are some kids that are completely fine doing chill by themselves. Elowin wants other kids around. Mm. And so we feel like just a little guilty because we're like, she would just eat up another sibling. Like it would be the, the best and most favorite thing for her. But we don't, we're probably not going to have that. So we're like, we got to find other kids for her to play with. Theo's... Have your people call my people. Theo's I mean, available. like, Ellen's this close to walking. I think it's mm-hmm. going to become a thing when she's walking that they'll hang out. They're going to be chaos monsters together. No, they're Muppets. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're going to be what? What two Muppets are they together? I think Theo's animal. Oh no, they're the two old people. No, they're not there yet. <laughs> when they start talking, yeah, yeah, that's how they're going to go. Um, well, do you want to go on over to Patreon with me? Yeah, it's um, it's like a factory winding down. <laughs> <laughs> We are pausing the Patreon come January 1st. We were on the break! So if you want to get all that good, juicy content, sign up now, and you'll be able to experience it for years. Mm-hmm. Or forever. Well, however, whenever it when, restarts again. Whenever it restarts again. It won't be years. Yeah. But um, you'll be able to enjoy all that content, and you'll only have to pay for a month of it. Yep. So yeah, we, get on that. We're pausing the Patreon because we're pausing the podcast because we are going to make a movie next year. Maybe a couple movies next year. We've yeah, been talking hopefully. about some yeah, things. Yeah, we, we'll see. We'll um, see what happens. But things are happening, and uh, I, it occurs to me that we probably want to give you ways to like keep up with us. So like, just stay tuned on the Instagram. There might be ways of following up with yeah, where things sure. are at in yeah. the, the movies that we're working on. Um, but yeah, go check out our most recent bonus episode. You know the drill. It's the Gilmore Girls. What? It's interesting that they, you got the Gilmore Girls, and then Christopher has... Gigi, as oh. in Gilmore Girls. I bet that was that was the mm-hmm. intent of Miss. Mm-hmm. He needs Miss to have and Gigi Mister. in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that just because when you watch, um, uh, what's what's her husband's name? Amy Sherman Palladino's husband, Daniel Palladino. Daniel, yeah. When he writes episodes, they're a lot more punny, mm. and so I feel like that might be a Danielism. I mm-hmm. don't know, but I would guess. I would think so. Um, so yeah, you can go check out that. We also did an episode on Wonder Woman. We did an episode on Hamilton. We did an episode on Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind. Mm. There's a there's a lot going on mm. over on that Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Where is that, Ryan? It's at www.patreon.com slash romcom gents. Man, see, it's harder to say uh, than, than uh, you initially think. It's tricky. Uh. So, well, now that we, we've got that out of the way and, you know, the the dust has settled on the Patreon, we now have the clearance to tell each other who would get our golden swords. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know where you're going. She, a blessing from the Lord. God be praised.
The Golden Sword. The Golden... <laughs> the Golden Sword. I just want to give the Golden Sword to the lighting of this movie. Mm. I think both the exteriors and the interiors of this film are impeccably lit. Like, it's shot on film, and so it already has that, like... Patina. Yeah, just that. Mm. Mm-hmm. That I like watching. As as a, a, a former DP that we used to work with would say, that fucking... <laughs> yeah! yeah. Of, of just gorgeous cinematography. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes you want to live in this world. And the 90s are rife with it. That is, I think, when we hit peak lighting. And we'll get back there one day for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to give the golden sword to just like the lighting of the movie. Mm. It just, it, it deserves it. Yeah. I'm giving it to Winona Ryder's eyes. Ooh, big eyes. <laughs> just like you could you could drown in those pools i'm pretty sure winona Ryder, after natalie portman was one of my early childhood crushes oh um, yeah for sure girl did you watch girl interrupted uh no but oh you should yeah yeah she wow it's um so i've been on set with winona Ryder. oh yeah probably like 20 times or yeah. so and most of the time when I like interacted with her, she was wearing sunglasses. Yeah. And so I didn't really get to experience the eyes eyes that, that much up close, but she's cool. Right. She's chill. Oh, she's chill. She was like, she She was was real chill. She was. Yeah. Uh, But you're right. Her eyes are just wow. Deep wells in this one. Um, well then ask me the most important question of all time. Would you give this movie a Thomas Newman scored (laughs) rom-com? Well, you buried the lead. Best score. You really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like a Thomas Newman score. It wasn't my favorite of the ones that he's done, but no. And it was very sh- for Thomas Newman, even kind of showy. Yeah, and I I thought I I really thought it was Rachel Portman. It does feel like because of the piano yeah. and like the the swells. I thought it was Rachel Portman. I'm like, yeah. oh, Thomas Newman. I'll take that. <laughs> Randy Newman's like. Portman is my secret sister. <laughs> that whole she, family, man. Yeah, the Newmans. The Newmans. Um, I I would like to see that movie about them growing up together because that's like oh. another family who's like dad was a music musician. Mm-hmm. Like the sisters, the brothers, they're all musicians. Yeah, kind. that'd be fun. Seriously, um, Thomas Newman seems the chillest. He does. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But. Like based Look, on based Google, on his music. Google a picture of Randy Newman and then Google a picture of Thomas Newman. <laughs> Tell me who's chiller. That's a good point. Uh, who has threatened short people in <laughs> yeah, their music? Uh, Not Thomas on. Newman. <laughs> come on. <sighs> I'm gonna give this movie best dynamics. Uh-huh. Just because I do think the the casting of these little women created like the actors themselves found the connective tissue between them and held on so tight. Mm-hmm. I think they were all perfect sisters together. I believed every moment of it. Mm-hmm. And same with Marmy. I think she, uh, Susan Sarandon bought, bought a lot, brought a lot of gravitas. So best dynamics. I love it. Um, I really love it. So much so that I have to ask you, who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I... 
loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. So I think Meg is very beautiful and nice. And I almost said Meg. And, but I, and I almost said Joe mainly because I think Winona Ryder is a super beautiful and I would love to like combatively just have a relationship where we could poke at each other about art and mm-hmm. just like, I would love to do school in a small town. Mm-hmm. That sounds ideal, but I think I'm going to go with Susan Sarandon. Oh, which only backs up my theory that she reminded us a lot of Robin. There it is. <laughs> um, that could be the reason she's, she's just so kind and nice and she can take charge and she is always helping out the community. Mm-hmm. And I love when she comes home to take care of Beth and, like she's like, no, I know how to take care of my daughter. I'm mm-hmm. going to decisively make an action here. And there's something about that, like that was very attractive. It's very nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm going with Meg because I feel like Meg is the best of all worlds. Yeah. Because she's got some independence like Joe. She has yeah. some sweetness like Beth. Yeah. She's got some tenderness like Amy. And she's a bit of her mom too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because, um, she she is in that scene where they're like all doing their club upstairs. Yeah. And I feel like she's she's the the second most charismatic out of all of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. She knows how to smoke a pipe really hot, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, ah, there's something about that. Um I do also like in just because I don't want to let it go, Winona Ryder looks and dresses more and more like her mother as the movie goes by. Oh, interesting. Which I, I thought was pretty telling. There's something about growing up. Where you rebel, but then you still become a little bit like your parents, but only in the ways that you want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, like this Christmas season, I was like, Mom. This Christmas season. <laughs> I was like, Mom, bring all of your classical Christmas CDs over this week, because mm-hmm. I'm going to rip them to my computer because I need to listen to them. And, and your like, mom is huge into piracy, so. <laughs> but like all the Christmas music that I was like, ugh, cheesy music, Mom. Now I'm like, no, I needs it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I needs it. I needs that music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a good movie. I'm so glad we watched it. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Yeah, go watch it. Go, go watch, watch it. it. Or watch it again with your family yeah. if they haven't seen it. Um, and you know what? Maybe in the next year, maybe next December, we'll we'll try to do the, the other Little Women. Yeah, or yeah? book club. Or book club. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we have to start reading now. It's true. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a short hiatus in June mm-hmm. and then get back to it. Yeah. Um, so what are we watching next week for our final film of the year? It's our. It's kind of a combination of romantic comedy and not quite a rom-com. Right. With grumpy old men. Right. But it is because it kind of this, is a rom-com. It's, it's all almost. It's so close to being a rom-com. I think, it's, I think it's a movie where Robin definitely would be like, no. Not allowed. And I'm like, come on. I think she actually, so she watched it with me mm-hmm. and I think she, she looked at it askance mm-hmm. at first. And then after watching it, I think she was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's next week for our new year's special. Um, this is your Christmas special. This is the penultimate episode before we take a hiatus. So mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed it. Yep. And any, any well wishes for people this Christmas? 
Ryan, it's Christmas. Just because it's Christmas. Because it's the holidays. Don't fuck up. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm asking of you. Ryan, I love you so much that even though that's your Christmas message, (laughs) I would still rescue you from drowning in an icy cold river. Mm. I love you so much that I would have backed up all of your pages of your manuscript so that if someone threw it in the fire, it's fine. There's a backup somewhere else. Like you're a monk and you just do a copy of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. It'll be with Lori if you need it. And this is where we will say goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. <laughs>